As you open your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to be looking at this section where Peter encounters a vision from Jesus. And it's one of those points in history that I believe teaches us to reflect on ourselves and ask the question, what are, what are we missing? What is God saying? Where is He guiding us? Where is He directing us? Because at this point you think about Peter is basically like you know the Pope of the church right then and there. He's the key guy that you want the best speaker to come to your church functions. You call Peter and he's going to be there and he's going to bring the best message. He's the guy that we look up to in the early church and think he's got it all together. He's got the direct line. He gets the little red phone out to call Jesus to get exactly the interpretation of the Old Testament to be able to speak clearly and let the people know what he wants them to know that day. And yet Peter doesn't pick up the phone to get the call but the phone starts to ring. And it's Jesus. It's God the Father and the Holy Spirit wanting to tell him there's more than what you've experienced as a Christian. I've got some new things to teach you. So if you will turn to chapter 10. We're going to start with verse 1 and work our way through. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as he was called. He was a devout man who feared God with his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius? He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, for a certain Simon, who is called Peter, is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seashore. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of which he commanded. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. We'll get back to verse 9 in just a moment. The reason I want to end there is I believe there are four key kind of transitions or key marks divisions in this chapter and the first one is verse 1 through 8 and it's this introductory to the vision to what God is wanting to speak to Peter but it isn't about Peter at this point it's actually about Cornelius and the introduction to the vision is this introduction of who they are and so we start to ask that question in this who Cornelius is a military He's in the Italian army. He's a leader. He's a Roman citizen. He's been given this power to command soldiers. 
And yet it goes on to tell us and portray that he is a godly man who is devout. He is devoted to God. And he has brought his family into that same devotion. What does it mean? He knows God and he's seeking him. We are also told that he fears God in other translations. That he lives his life answerable to God. Not only answering to the people who are above him in command, but he knows what it means to answer God and put God first. He's generous with his wealth. He gives it away to the needy, to the poor. And he's a man of prayer. But a question that I ask myself here in this description of who he is, there's one component that's missing. And I believe it's a trajectory for our vision that Peter will experience. He fears God, he's the man of prayer. He gives generously. What else do you see about him? Or what don't you see about him? We're in the New Testament. Shouldn't there be something about Jesus Christ? He doesn't know Jesus. And I don't know how many times I've read this passage and I just have skipped over that and just assume a God-fearing person had a relationship with Jesus. But during my studies for this passage this week, it drawed my attention that we can know God. We can know who He is. We can know all these facts. But it says here, He knew. And yet he was still searching for something. And I think too many times on this side of the cross, this side of Christianity, this side of the church, we make it an assumption. Well, if you know about God, you should know who Christ is. You should have a relationship. But as this vision, as this passage unfolds, I think it's a challenge to us. There are people who know all about God. Some people may be sitting in the pews next to you. Or you may have grown up in a church with them. Or you may go to work. And they know all the churchy answers to say. They may even have a cross somewhere. They might have the Bible or a Bible app. But the question is, do they really know who Jesus Christ is and have a relationship with them? Or is it just a bunch of facts? Just a bunch of head knowledge? Now Cornelius is here and he's pressed. He has this vision from God and I believe it's just like the wooing power of God to speak into somebody's life. That Cornelius is being told, go, since people to Joppa because Peter has a message for you. Peter has that thing you are looking for. 
He's going to connect the dots for you. Because Cornelius understood that God shaped hole in each of us. And he was trying to fill it. And he was trying to be a good person. A good at everything that he is called to. But hear me. Good does not get you into heaven. Being just a good person without a relationship with Jesus Christ is nothing to get you in. It's not a golden ticket. Cornelius was hungry. He was searching. And the vision that he had sent him to send people to Joppa to find Peter. And that leads us into our next section. The inspiration of the vision. Verses 9-16. through 16. Let's turn there. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while he was, be, while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times. and The thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was gazing, puzzled, trying to understand the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon Peter's house, and they were standing by the gate. The inspiration of the vision, the sheep being lowered from heaven, all kinds of animals considered unclean, and Peter is here trying to wrap his mind around it. And I have this vision of thousands of animals, millions of animals being there. And at first we're like, well, Peter, being a good Jew, couldn't you have just picked one of the clean animals and that's what you would have ate and killed? But you've got to think about Jewish culture. If you have a clean animal next to an unclean animal, the clean animal has become unclean. And he would have to go perform the cleansing rituals. He couldn't just pick one without defiling himself. At least in his mindset of what clean versus unclean is about. 
And so this sheet being lowered down is changing his world and shaking who he is. And so if I can have uh, maybe two of the ushers to come back, I know this isn't a sheet. But at the end of the service, you'll need this napkin. Uh, not for our Thanksgiving meal, that's right after service. Um, I'm pretty sure Julie has plenty of napkins down in the fellowship hall. But take one of the napkins as they go by and keep it. I want it to be a symbol of the sheet that was lowered for Peter. For you. Because at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you, what are those things that you have labeled unclean that maybe God is saying you need to reach to? Maybe there's something that you have always thought is unclean, profane, but you find a family member in that situation. And so then you have nothing to do with them. Or you have a hard time speaking to them because you don't. You don't know why they're doing that. You don't understand. You can't put yourself in their shoes. And I want to challenge you today to write that name of that person, that situation. Because there is a statement that God made to Peter. Not to call things God had labeled as clean, unclean. Because maybe you are the transformation that is supposed to step into that situation and help redeem that. To purify that situation. To help that person find Christ. That leads us into the third element. Is the interpretation of the vision in verse 17 through 23. Is what are these words really meaning to Peter? What are these words really meaning as he's puzzled and looked and trying to figure out? Now while Peter was gazing greatly puzzled, he was gazing up into heaven, trying to make sense of the vision. Suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. And they were asking for Simon, Simon's house were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up and go. And go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason you are coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, a upright and God-fearing man who is well-spoken by the whole Jewish nation, has directed, was directed by the holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them and gave them lodging. The next day he got up.
while Peter is having this vision and trying to understand. The men show up. There's a transition happening here. On one side, we're talking about what is clean and unclean. What our rules of religion has labeled as the do's and the don'ts on one side. And on this side now is what Christ, what God the Father, what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to Peter. He had been a devout Jew raised up learning who Christ was at the last three years. And there's a transition in Peter's life. It's not about all the rules and the regulations and keeping things clean and unclean. There's a final test here to understanding the vision. Are we willing to step out of the comfort zone of what we've known all these years? Peter was being asked to move out of what was comfortable, what he knew, to what God was calling him to experience. The Lord was asking him to take down the barriers that his religious upbringing had put into his life. I think it's a challenge for me as well as each of us. What are those barriers that we possibly have allowed to build up into our life, into our Christianity, that put blinders on us that we possibly can't see the movement of the Holy Spirit? What are those barriers that keep us from truly focusing on who Christ is and where He is at work, possibly right next to us. This one moves right into the fourth. is the implementation or applying of this vision. Peter didn't just get the vision and was told by God in this instance, he is also he's also told to go and to experience it, and God drops it right on his lap. Because guess what? The people who showed up, the other Jewish people around him, around Peter would have labeled those people as unclean. The people that show up from Cornelius would be outsiders in this circle of clean and unclean. The barriers that had been built in the Jewish religion was you don't associate with those people. You don't invite them into your house and have a meal with them. And you certainly don't go to their house and have a meal and have a conversation. And guess what? I'm glad Peter did break down those barriers. Because without those barriers broken down, us fellow Gentiles 
would not really get to hear the Word of God. If the Word of God had been so encapsulated by the time of the barriers that nobody was willing to break them, would it have stayed inside? Would it have stayed sealed up? It's one of those what-ifs questions. I believe God is bigger and I'm sure He would have come up with a different way because He already knows all the ways that the Word needs to spread. But we can look back and say the barriers could have isolated it. And now, many years later, we do it to ourselves. We allow barriers in our lives to encapsulate us. One of the things that is sometimes the hardest for us is to step out of our own comfort zone. To go and serve. To speak to somebody who's different than us. I've told you that I am much more happy to talk to a ficus tree in a large room than to go talk to a bunch of other people. I find it easier to go and talk to farm boys, people who have experienced what I experienced growing up, but I also know that if I live inside that world, I start to put blinders on. And maybe the person sitting at a coffee shop who has never been to a farm, who's never seen a cow alive in person other than seeing a hamburger sitting there, I don't know, is the person that God wants me to share who Christ is. So my challenge for you guys today is to take that napkin. What are the barriers that are in your life? Or maybe there's a situation that you see somebody as so hopelessly out there that you can't go touch them. You can't step into their life because it would make your life messy. Not only was Peter's vision coming and being called for us to apply it to our lives, but somebody else in Scripture modeled this stepping into messiness. His name was Jesus Christ. He stepped out of holiness and out of glory into our messy lives. So today I'm going to ask you to be a Peter, ultimately to be a Christ follower, to be a little Christ. And use the napkin as a tangible thing. step out of your life and step into somebody's mess this week. You may get dirty. You may get messy. But guess what? 
We serve a Christ who is risen and alive and He loves to help clean you up. And He loves for you to take Him into those situations so that He can help clean those people up that you come in contact with. As the worship team comes up, I'm just going to ask you to take this challenge. Nothing for you to do this morning to come forward or bow your head and raise your hand and we're going to mark it down on a card. The challenge is this week to step into people's lives. And I hope that this next week, the next Sunday as we come together, that you will come and share those stories. What is Christ doing through you? What is Christ doing in you and through you? Will you stand and worship as we close?